Okay, let's turn to James 2. So we're walking through James together. Um, also, quick plug for this. Um, we're going to short, uh, a shorter service today. That's going to be the attempt from my end. Todd laughs when I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a little shorter this week on the talk. He's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll just do one song then at the end. How about we just do it that way? I'm like, hey, I might be. I might. But I'm attempting to. But we are only going to have one song at the end. So go ahead. We'll do communion right away. And we have our family meeting after, okay, which everyone's welcome to stay around for. But we just wanted you to know that so that we can keep thinking about it. You don't just bail when the first song starts if you were wanting to stay. Um, so anyway, we're going through James. Anyone want to give like a, a brief rundown of last week's conversation in James 2? I tell you what, you have a choice. You can pick. You can either give like a quick synopsis or you can just read James 2 until uh, we get to verse 14. Your choice. Isn't it about the giving the seats of honor to the wealthy? Yes. And then what happens to the other? Shunning them in the back. Yeah. But they're still, you know, allowed in. But they're right, you're welcome. Yeah. You just don't have a seat with us. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that so idea. Right. What else about that? Anyone want to help John there? He, great start. This idea of partiality, right? And what, what was this? Um, let's do it this way. What is one of the great frustrations and dangers to ourselves on partiality? We become a judge in doing so. We do. We become a judge and we also look like whatever culture we're in by being partial to this. Usually the same people the culture is partial to. Usually in some way, right? Or at least some subset of it. Right? We talked about, there's lots of our culture that would say, oh, the wealthy are more important. They've been successful. This like beauty of success and this power and whatever is attractive. So yes, we should give them the honor. Right? Everyone that comes in looking like us in that way or looking like what we aspire to be, right? they get the seat of honor. They get to be one with us. And then one that definitely doesn't share those, that, that value or that importance or haven't got there yet, they're less important. right? Or it could be the opposite. We can say, oh, no, let's you know, eat the rich. You know? they've, they've only made money on our back, so we should not love a bit of them. Let's shun them. Let's do this. And this idea of not showing partiality is one of loving thy neighbor. Right? This idea that Jesus kind of carries throughout his life that now his followers are trying to adjust themselves towards. Right? They're still trying to figure out how do we love everyone? How do I actually neighbor everyone? How in the world do we do that when... It's been ingrained in us so long ago to love those like you or love those that validate you or love those that make you feel important or love those that, that fit in well with you and don't cause a stir, right? And we're going to kind of, and I want us, the reason I want us to talk about that a little bit before is because sometimes in reading James 2, we separate that conversation and this next one about faith and works. I think that's incredibly irresponsible of us because right after James talked about this, this idea of partiality and how sinful to the core it is to show partiality, to, to show judgment instead of mercy, this idea of judgment being heavier than mercy and thus let's show it without mercy at all to anyone. Let's just judge how we see fit. Right after that, in the same breath, 
we move into this sentence, okay? So I want us to remember that, and I want it to, to hold our gaze differently in this passage now. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Do well. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Do you, um, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Then he offered up his son Isaac on his altar. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture is fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by her works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So again, if we separate these two, we have a completely different discussion. Right? If we just come here and we say, without any background of James, without any other conversation in this chapter, we say, let's talk about faith and works, right? That's going to set us on a course. If we say, though, let's talk about faith and works in the lens of and, and from the posture of partiality, judgment, and mercy, I think we have a different conversation. I think it can be quite different. Because it's not just that faith and works affects you. It's not just that your faith and your works damage or sin against yourself. Faith without works, dead faith, affects all of us together. It affects the entire community we've set ourselves in. And, and this, is, this is why I say that. So usually, and we'll, we'll get to the point as quickly as possible. So um, here's why I say that. Uh, a lot of us, if we, if we grew up in church, which how many of us grew up in a, in a church where we like went all the time? We were kind of forced to. I did too. Um, my grandpa was a pastor, and so that meant I was attending. Um, we had this thing that I tried to do uh, in right before middle school where I like, learned how to, this is going to sound bad, like learned how to make myself throw up if I didn't want to do something, right? And it failed miserably because my dad would be like, oh, did you throw up? I'm like, yeah, man. I'm so sick. And he's like, oh, you must feel better now that you've thrown up. Let's get dressed and go. <laughs> and I was like, I did all that. And I feel worse now. <laughs> and now I'm still going to this church that I'm, I'm like, I'm glad I guess to go to. Anyway, it was, it was a struggle. Um, but anyway, this is what a lot of times we heard about faith and works. If this is your experience, if it's like mine, that's, that's fine. If it's not, good for you. Mine was, here's what you are supposed to believe, but really quickly, it turned into, this is what you're not supposed to believe, right? Really quickly. So I grew up in a place that was like, hey, these are the rules of belief. You have to believe these things to like go to heaven or something, right? Whatever that, or to... Yeah, go to heaven was probably the first one, right? They're like, hey, 
you want to go to heaven, little kid? And I was like, sounds fine. Yes, I do. They're like, do you want us to tell you about the other option? I was like, I kind of pass if that you don't want to tell me. But they did. And they're like, here's how you get to that. You have to believe a set of things. And you have to believe them like this. And there's an acrostic, which is crazy. I don't know how Jesus was smart enough to get that one in there. You know what I mean? Like A, B, C, or like F, A, I, T, H, or A, B, C, one, two, three, or Romans, there's a road through a passage of scripture, which was tricky to me, right? But there were rules, and you had to believe them in a way. But really, really fast, we start doing this thing of, oh, no, you can't believe that and be on this path. Or you can't question that, right? Or, wait, you're of that denomination that does this other part of believing that? Oh, no, no, I'm not supposed to believe that belief, right? Either because it makes us nervous or someone wants to use that to hurt someone in a bad way, so now it's all false, or whatever, whatever my, you know, um, denomination or faith tradition said to do, it quickly became into this is what not to believe. And what happens when we do that? What happens when all the focus is on this faith and not what we do? What usually happens is then we have an insiders and an outsiders in our community. Because once we have this, this rules of what you have to do and what you can't do, then we have distinctives that make us us. I took a class in college called Baptist Distinctives in History. It was about this makes us us. This is it. No one else gets to be us because they don't have all these things in order that make us us. It's a pretty gross class, to be honest with you. And, and it was quite boring, as it would sound. <laughs> you can imagine it being boring, because it is. It was really boring. Um, but that's, that tends to be what happens. And we do that. There are, in fact, some people who get to sit at our table with honor. And there's other people that are just different in their faith so they don't get to have a part with us. Or we make sure we tell them to change that belief they have so they can sit with us. You can have communion with us as long as you think exactly like we do about communion and then we're all going to enjoy it and be happy together. That becomes the posture. Because we're so, again, good at showing partiality. We are creative in the way we value judgment over mercy. We're creative about it and we're, we're way too good at it. Or you had the experience of this different path of works, right? This is what you do, but really, let's be honest, a lot of us, again, in faith religion heard this is what you don't do, right? Like, what were the real, let, just for fun, actually, I don't know if that, I, we'll do this anyway. Just for fun, what was, like, the number one things you shouldn't do when you were growing up, like, in church stuff, like religion? What should you not do? These were, like, the worst things, right? Can't what? Yeah, you can't do that. It's real bad. Can't do that either. Also bad. What else? What we're, we're told. You know, this, this, can't do that, can't do this. What else? Uh, for whatever reason in my town, like, everyone was afraid every kid was going to do, like, really hard, crazy drugs, like, from <laughs> middle school. So that was one. You can't do drugs. Which is a good rule. That's <laughs> a fine rule, right? Like, it's fine. But those were it. What else? Listen to secular music. That was a good one as well. Read Harry Potter. Read, oh, nice. That stinks. <laughs> That's a, all right, all right. What were you going to say? Uh, swearing. No swearing. That, no swearing was also, that gave me extra angst, if y'all know me. I was like, 
I don't know what to do. <laughs> but I play baseball. How am I going to not swear, right? What else? Okay, here's one. And this is what I was wondering what we were going to get to. Uh, you can't have friends that don't believe like you. You don't need to really hang out with them. You can hang out with them to like change them, right? To make them like you. But you can't really hang out with them, right? So you're unstained by the world, this idea, right? Um, another one might be, um, again, you can't vote this way. That's one. You can't, and we, everyone does that, by the way. Let's, let's be very honest with ourselves. Everyone does that. Um, Everyone thinks real Christians vote a certain way. You know, the different ways, right? But all of us say, oh no. <laughs> really? Like, we think it's obvious. Every, every person thinks it's obvious that the way they vote is the way, like, Christ would have everyone vote. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, we get into, though, very quickly, this idea of what you do. It's not even what you do. It's what you are supposed to abstain from doing uh, distinctives you. And again, that gets you a seat at the table. Right? Thus, those who engage in these things that we're supposed to be abstained from no longer have a place of honor. We have dishonored them and we have justified our justice over mercy approach towards them. So again, faith and works isn't just about saying your actions have to match what you believe. In fact, it's saying, reframe how we see faith and works so that your actions may be inclusive ones that show mercy over judgment. And here's what I mean by that. What if instead of saying, here is what defines us, it's what we don't do. What if instead we said, it is exciting to be creative about the works God has prepared for us in advance to do, right? We talk about that in Corinthians and Ephesians, I want to say, right? Like, do the good works God has prepared beforehand for you to do. Enjoy doing good works he's prepared. Other places it says, learn what to do, or learn to do what is good. These good things God hasn't prepared, or has prepared in advance for you to do. So we have this idea that, no, it can, it can be rather than, like, sin management, like, do bad stuff less, which also... It was never like gossip or judgmentalness or hypocrisy that was discussed. It was all the, just the other things, right? It was the easy things to say, don't do. Those other things have nuance, so it's harder, and so we, we don't talk about those things. But we, instead of that, what if we get to be creative about our obedience? What if loving thy neighbor gets to be this exercise of let's think of ways and let's think of actions to do that actually show our culture love and let's enjoy being creative together to do that? What if our actual works stemming from our belief and joining our belief become things that give everyone a seat at the table? What if that's how it works? What if we get to look at works that way? What if our faith gets to be determined not just by a set of dogma or a set of rules or a system of beliefs written by some dead people and some alive people and some this and some that. What if instead it's some of that mixed with our interaction with the real world in front of us that we can see and touch and embrace? What, what if that's how we actually shape our faith? And then our faith 
being creative and enjoying this idea of the kingdom of heaven at hand and, and sorting through how we see God working in the world, what if that actually does accompany our works that are creative and enjoyed and exciting to do to bring people to the table? What if those two things weren't divergent roads? What if they were one road riding together to make sure that mercy triumphs over judgment? What if it is a continued conversation? What if the entire hope here in this passage is mercy must triumph? So don't let your faith and your works be separate, or mercy cannot triumph there. Judgment wins in that scenario. If you're just trying to do what is good, good luck. Judgment will win out in your life. You won't do good enough, you'll do the wrong thing at the wrong time, or someone else will, and you'll not pull the plank out of your eye, and you'll comment on their spec. You'll, you'll do that with your entire life. And we have, we have people that do both of those things, right? Either they're atrocious to themselves or they're atrocious to the world, right? We have that. Where faith is the only road we're on, it becomes this intellectual, we say, we think it's an intellectual thing. But if it doesn't even match this, James would argue, it's not, it doesn't sound very intellectual to me <laughs> to ignore this huge portion of what makes faith faith. It's not like another half of it. it. They're all one together. It says again about Moses, or about Abraham, sorry, not Moses. It says about this, you see, faith was active along with the works, and faith was completed by the works. It was active and completing it. So I want us to, to this week, and we'll get back into faith and works next week, but I want us to again focus on it being framed as a continual conversation. This idea of partiality, this idea of judgment not triumphing over mercy. This idea that mercy being what like, defines our us, right? That, that mercy will reign with us. Maybe faith and works interact for that aim. Maybe that's the goal. Maybe it's not just so you're, you know, feeling good or fine or whole in that way. What if it's so we are whole? What if it's so the outsider is no longer an outsider and becomes whole with us? What if it means there are no longer these, these foolish distinctives that we have to have so that our table is a table, right? What if it's something completely different? What does a group of people, how do we not become a group of people even when mercy truly triumphs over judgment, acting in accordance with our faith and deeds? How does that look? And I want us to think about that this week. And I want us to, to start reframing the conversation. Okay? Start marrying this passage to actually be this continual thought from James. Okay? So I want us to do that. And um, I'm going to pray for us, but here's what we're going to do. Um, every week here at uh, Church of East, we have communion together. Um, what we'll do is we'll have a liturgy of response, then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Also, hey, the reason we say the Lord's Prayer together every week um, isn't to just uh, recite a thing that we know, okay? First of all, we do it because we get to be a part of something Jesus actually said, a different language and such, but we, we get to say something that Jesus said together, right? And then also, as we do that, we get to say something that believers have said from Jesus to now. So we're, we're trying to say with that that we are a part of a whole, okay? We're trying to say we are a part of a story. We play this bit part in this epic story is what we're trying to say by that, okay? So that's why we do that. Um, 
We're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Then the band's going to, again, only play one song today because we're abbreviating the service. Um, so when you feel like the time is right, you can go by yourself or go with someone else to take communion. Just take the bread, dip it in the cup, enjoy communion, and enjoy worship as you see fit. You don't have to be a member with us to do this. Uh, you don't have to think about communion like I do, partly because you don't know what I think about communion because I didn't tell you yet. Um, you don't have to believe the same to enjoy communion. The table's open. Okay? So let's stand together.